lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. All right, welcome to the podcast today. We're excited for our guest, um, Ashley Boyson. Yes, Ashley's amazing. Um, you may recognize her. She was on Dateline a few years ago. So I feel like both Chantilla and I, we came across her on Instagram and like she looked familiar. And as we kind of looked into her more, we're like, Oh, we were so impressed with her, just what she's doing. Um, right now she's helping people that have been through similar things that she has. So Ashley had her husband as actually murdered. Um, and it's just a crazy story actually you like she said she would not wish it upon her worst enemy but um all in one night she found out her husband had had an affair and was killed by the woman's husband yes yes in a walgreens parking lot so Mm -hmm. that's what kind of rang a bell for me because i kind of remember like walgreens parking Mm -hmm. lot for some reason but um anyway so we get to hear her story in depth but i think what's really cool is we get to see her on the other side we get to see her healed and in a really good place yeah um, and in her life and she's just such a good mom and a good person and out there wanting to help others with her story. Mm -hmm. And she's just really open and vulnerable. And she puts a lot out there on her blog and has just helped a ton of people. Like she said, she's gotten reach outs from all over everywhere. Like a lot her, I think her story is really resonating with a lot and just her personality. Like you'll see, she's just very fun and, um, but also just like deep and personal and just, yeah, she, she's great. So we love talking to her. Yeah. And we think you'll really enjoy it. And there's a lot you can take from it just of, um, like her theme is kind of knowing your worth. Yeah. And so, yes, it's like a story that is, you know, so heavy and so hard, but like, it's something we can all relate to in a way I feel like, because she's talking about like knowing your worth and, and getting kind of through your hard things and and growing from them. Right. And then her Instagram is called the moments we stand, which I think Mm -hmm. is great because there's just times in life that it's hard. And so it's the times that you stand and you stand up for yourself and for others and help others. And that's how we get through this life. So yep. anyway, yeah. we think we'll really, you'll really love her. So yeah. All right. So, um, before we hop into her interview, we thought we would share a little about the bit about <laughs> what's been going on with us. So, um, our kids had fall break last week. So that was fun to have the week off. Yeah. And then this past week was Halloween. So busy. Yeah, it was busy. We got, we took our family to Northern California and it was really fun. That's the first time we've been with the family there. My brother lives in the area of, in Monterey area. So we were able to like see Big Sur and Pebble Beach and Carmel. It's really, I mean, I've been to San Francisco, but I haven't seen all those places. Yeah, it was really pretty. Yeah, it was, it was a little chilly while we were there, (laughs) but it was good. My kids still got in the ocean with wetsuits. (laughs) So that was fun. And then we did San Francisco a couple nights and then our flight got canceled on the way home. Oh my gosh. We were panicked thinking we weren't going to make it home for Halloween, but we did late Monday night or not lately, but you know, later than we were hoping. So anyway, it all worked out in the end and we had a great Halloween. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And I know that's crazy. Yeah. Flights are kind of, can be a pain, but yeah, yeah. you gotta stay an extra night, right? Yes. And like canceled. get the hotel room, the airport hotel room at last oh minute, super late. My kids were so tired. <laughs> Six of you. Yeah. That's they hard. were crying. We're going to miss Halloween <laughs> week at school. And I'm like, you guys, we're going to figure it out in yeah, my mind. I'm like, I hope we figure it yeah, out. We're going to have to rent a car and drive home. <laughs> yes. I hope. Yeah, I know. I was literally thinking that in the middle of the night, but luckily we did get out the next day. So <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like we're still all kind of recovering from it. Like, like, <laughs> just kind of like tired and yeah, traumatic and, yes. and little kids. Yeah. Halloween's yeah. very important. 
important to them. Yeah, I know. And so anyway, it was good. We got home. That's awesome. Yeah, our fall break, we just kind of stuck around here because we had Whitney soccer games and Coleman's football games. And but it was fun. We kind of just did things around here and it was great. It's nice. Um, Yeah. I would just talk about so I we may have talked about the podcast, a slight change of plans with Maya Shanker, which is kind of similar to our Mm -hmm. podcast. Just like things are thrown at you and you just plans change with whatever happens in your life. And so Anyway, she's awesome, and I love her podcast, but she had this guy on, um, Datcher Keltner. I don't. I think that might be how you say his name, um, but he studied awe, like awe and wonder, mm-hmm. and like what makes people feel awe in life. And I, he studied, like interviewed 2,600 people in 26 different countries to mm. see what made them feel awe, like oh, cool. what inspires them. So they came up with eight wonders of life, and I want to focus on just one, but I'll read the um, first couple really quick. So the first one was being out in nature, which I think is pretty normal, like a sunset yeah. and the mountains and the ocean or whatever, just beauty in nature, spirituality, like, um, prayer and, uh, meditation and then music, which I think can really, um, you know, inspire you and then visual design. So like art and maybe like a cool building or, um, like a sculpture or something. Um, and then the other thing I thought was interesting was big ideas like infinity or even like AI, like, mm. cause to me, sometimes I just say it's magic. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Cause it just <laughs> might, my mind, my mind cannot comprehend AI and how it works. Yeah. So well, just like the universe sometimes yeah, it's just so yeah. big yes. and just like life going on and when did it start and mm-hmm. will it ever end? I don't know. So yes. big ideas. Um, the other one's life and death, which, you know, like when you see, you know, when you have a baby or you see baby born or. Um, when someone passes, um, from this life and then the other, these are the two that I had never really heard of and that they just kind of named these things. So the one of them was called collected, collective effervescence. And it just says like moving in unison. So like when you're at a concert or you're dancing or you're Mm. like at a sporting event, which I think is really cool. Cause I think that's when I feel like just powerful. Like, like to me, it's a spiritual experience to be at a concert and have everybody being there, like everybody's so different. We have all these different ideas and we're on different sides of all these issues, but like we're all at the same place because we all love the artist. Right. So then you feel, and they actually gave the example, and I know we've talked about Taylor Swift a lot, but this woman was saying, I would even go to a Taylor Swift concert without Taylor Swift because the feeling of everybody singing her songs and being together and feeling as one is so powerful. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the movie. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's like, she, she's not really there, but you felt right. like this, you know, yes. like, like you almost connection. get emotional. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Well, and I always feel in awe of the artists too. Like I'm so amazed yeah. by what, the, you know, talent. whether it's sometimes like a Broadway play or yeah. So exa- I love that. That's, yeah. Yeah. And then the one that I think really fits our podcast is called Moral Beauty. And I just actually love the name because we talk about beautiful shifts. Mm-hmm. And so the moral beauty to talk about is when we see other humans doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. So if we see someone with courage, someone kindness, kindness, resilience, um, we see their character, we see them serve, we see them overcoming something hard, which is totally our podcast in so many ways. Just seeing people yeah. on the other side of their shifts or going through their shifts in life and transitions and see how they can still they can find beauty, but then we find beauty in them and because it's so totally. um, inspiring. And um, they talked about when people sacrifice the wisdom of other humans and then just how good humans can be. And I think that's so amazing because sometimes like with social media and the news and the war and going on, like yeah. you just sometimes get so down about like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with us? Why can't we just live in peace? But 
like it's still all around us. Goodness. Yes. Like, humans yeah. doing amazing things. I love that you brought that up. Cause I've actually thought about that a lot. Like I'm like, I'm so grateful that we have a chance to hear these people's stories because it is like, it's connecting us exactly with that thing. And mm-hmm. we're getting to hear it in real time. So I just hope like our listeners are feeling that. And, and yeah. hopefully that's something that we're like Pertain, adding in our little yeah. way, you know, that right. we can add to that moral beauty. But anyway, I love that. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's really good. So, um, a couple of the things that they said in the podcast was becoming so moved, um, by what someone did that you do something good. Mm, yeah. And then it also makes you become more open to the world and more like curious and open-minded about people. Um, and then to think about who has changed your life by their moral, moral beauty. And like he said, it's really what holds society together. Oh, wow. It's just yeah. moral beauty. And I'm just like, wow, I've never heard that term. I think it's so amazing. That's <laughs> and so I really, cool. yeah, hope that that's what our podcast is doing for you guys is to show other human beings moral beauty so that we can all learn from them and then take that and give our own moral beauty to the world. Yes. So. Yeah. Awesome. I love anyway, that. So well, we'll have to, to link it, that and... podcast like in our stories. Um, oh, that's a good idea. This week. Yeah. yeah. So that you guys can listen to that. But I'm excited to listen. I actually haven't yeah. listened to that yet. So that's, that's really good. I listened to it twice because I was like, oh, oh I'm serious. This is so important like just really cool. So they kind of right. go a little more in depth into some of these. So awesome. anyway, we will link it and now we'll get into our podcast with, with Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we have Ashley Boyson with us. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Um, Ashley is a speaker, a teacher, a victim advocate, and a writer. And I know she's has some books, um, that she's written as well as a blog and we'll get into some of that, but we're um, so happy to have her and honored that she would say yes to our invite to be here and to share her story and with us. Yes. So are there anything you want to tell us about yourself? Um, Just some background or something, uh, hobbies or family or anything you want to tell us about you? Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm, I just turned 40 and well, I'll be 41 in December. Um, I have seven kids. The oldest are twins that are just started college down to a two-year-old. Got the whole, oh, wow. I got all the ages except elementary school right now. We have a big gap. Oh, that's funny. Like all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one that's engaged. So I'm literally going to, oh, wow. I'm, go, I'm going in, going in. Fun. Um, that's awesome. Let's see what else. I, I love to travel with my family. Um, I love writing. I love I love yoga. I don't do it as much as I, I want to, but, um, that's kind of about me. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. That's a big range. We thought we had big ranges cause yeah. I have a, a call. Well, 22 down to nine. So oh, there's wow. like a, yeah, a big gap there. So, yeah. <laughs> and I have 15 and then my younger two are twins as well. They're eight. So oh, boy, girl, fun. yours are girl twins, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Twins, twins are the are best. Fun. Yes. It's been fun. That's awesome. So are your yeah. girls like away at college? Your uh-huh. Twins? Oh, yep. They're both yeah. about four, five hours, but they're, they we're like, we like make a triangle. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what area do you live in? Just so our listeners can put you on the map a little bit. <laughs> so we're by Boise, Idaho. Nice. Okay. I like Boise a lot when we've been through there. It's, it's a nice area. Yeah, it's gotten really busy, but it's it's beautiful. I love it it's up really there. Pretty. We've got quite a few friends up there. My husband's from Idaho, but on the other side, in Idaho Falls. But oh, um, that's fun. Up to Boise a lot, so I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, I think Lindsay's going to read a 
kind of a bio that you have on your website. Yeah, we thought this would give our listeners kind of a good overview of what your story is, and then we can dive into it a little bit more. So, or a, a lot more. <laughs> so, okay. Ashley Boyson is the author of the blog and book series titled The Moments We Stand, in which she shares her family's journey of healing after the infidelity and murder of her husband Emmett in 2011, just months after giving birth to their fifth baby. Ashley has been given the unique experience of sharing Emmett's story on Dateline, Dr. Phil, American Monster, Investigation Discovery, True Crime Daily, and several other murder mystery investigation documentaries. After feeling alone for many years and fighting to find her voice through the pain, Ashley now proudly stands as an advocate for victims and families impacted by loss, grief, widowhood, murder, and infidelity. In an effort to help others not feel alone, she has grown to love sharing her story, to help shine light on a path for others still stuck in the dark, a place she knows all too well. Yeah, that just gave a great overview of what you've had in your life, which has been a lot. You've had a lot going on and we, you know, we focus on life transitions in this podcast and there's just so many different life transitions that people can go through, but definitely yours is unique. Like we've never had a a guest like, like with a story like yours before. So we're excited to dive in. Um, so yeah, I, we thought you could maybe just take us back to where the beginning of this transition began. So maybe back to 2011 and what was going on in your life at that time and as much detail as you want to share or yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with. So back in 2011, it like the year started out kind of weird. Like I just remember every day kind of feeling like something's not right. Something's not right. And I'm pregnant and I go in to have this baby. And honestly, like even at his birth, it was different than all the other kids' births. My husband was really disengaged and super busy. And I was really good at justifying for him. Like I was good at saying, well, he's not here a lot because of work. And he's not here because, you know, before he was studying for the bar and in law school. And there was always a reason I was so good at covering for him and actually covering my own emotions about how I felt about the way that he was showing up. Um, But at that time, I kind of got to this point where I'm like, something is not right. And I'm going to figure out what it is. I have the baby. He keeps leaving me at the hospital. Just not our same dynamic where we were a team building this family together. And um, by, by March, I had even reached out to family members, like something's not right. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I literally was like a crazy person going through the garbage, trying to figure out any evidence of like, what is wrong? I'll fix it. Women fix crap. That's what we do. Right. So I'm like, you show me what it is. I fix it. And that's how it's going to go. And uh, so I woke up that morning and I literally knelt by my bed and I'm like, heavenly father, I only need one answer and whatever's going on, I will fix it. If, if the answer is he thinks I'm fat from having a baby, like I will work it off, whatever it is, literally. I, and I even like had that little, just like twinge of like, okay, what if he's cheating on you? And I'm like, still, I'm going to fix it. We're going to, we're going to fix it together. We're going to grow stronger. I've heard those stories where whatever it is. And like deep down, I think I knew that was happening. Just the signs that he was showing me and the way that he was showing up. Now, looking back, I, it was very obvious, um, but at the time I was still in the, I got to, I got to save mode and I want this family to be perfect. Um, and so that morning I just kind of did random things and like went to target and spent like $500, like ways to cope, you know, that we find. Right. 
mm-hmm. um, mainly on laundry baskets. I was on a kick that day, but um, I'm not, like, I don't with five kids, why. that's probably yeah. the most useful thing you could buy with five like, kids is laundry redoing baskets. Redoing the laundry room. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that always stands out to me and I'm not sure what that was about. Yeah. Some sort of order. I was trying to create order. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. Organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that whole day, I, I literally was like just shaking. I'm like, something is wrong. And I'd gone to a few days before I'd gone to a marriage counselor by myself. He didn't show up. Another sign, red flag. Um, and I just like begged this guy to help me fix my issues for my parents' divorce. And like, and he finally was like, you know, that feeling deep down that something's not right. Sometimes something's really not right. And I was like, okay, tell me what it is. And I fix it inside of myself, you know. Um, and I did the same thing with a, a leader at my church. I stopped by there and both of them said, bring him in on Sunday, bring him in on Monday and we're going to, we'll get to the bottom of it and I'll help you guys. So this was Friday and, um, yeah, I just spent the whole day just knowing something wasn't right, but not knowing how to fix it. And by the time he came home, he came home late and I had made all of his favorite food. And I was like, this is the day we're going to sit down. We're going to look eye to eye. He's going to say, this is what's going on. This is how you can fix it. And we're just going to do that. And he came in like two hours late. The food was cold. The babies were tired. Like it was just not this ideal situation. But I'm like, no, I'm not giving up. I, today is my day. So we're doing this. And by the time he like didn't eat the food, went in the back room to answer a phone call. I could, I could hear him talking to who I knew was somebody who was a counselor who I'd reached out to like, just check in on him. Let me know what you get kind of thing. Um, and I listened on the baby monitor for a minute and everything that he said was not the truth I was looking for. It was like just a made up version of why he was struggling. And it was always my fault, which most people having affairs, it's the other person's fault, Mm -hmm. but it was things that weren't even true. Like she doesn't even take care of the kids. She's and I just kind of sat there going, this can't be the answer. I like, I, I know none of this stuff is true. Like I literally don't even go out with friends. Like I devote my life to this house and to these children and to him. And, um, anyways, by the time he got off the phone, I was like, Hey, was that so-and-so? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to call him back. Let's, let's maybe have him guide us through this struggled time we're having. And he was like, go ahead, go, go call him. And so I went in the back room by this time, I put the babies down and it was just a quiet house. And so I, I went in the back room, unplugged the baby monitor, and I was just like, listen. And the guy was like, what are you doing? You're going to ruin your family. You're not even taking care. And he just started going off on me on everything he'd been told by this attorney. Oh. I had no fight, you know. Mm. I just kind of sat there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. Like, I kind of had that moment where I was like, no one's going to believe me. I've reached out to family. I've reached out to all these people, and no one seems to – like, maybe I am going crazy. Maybe something's not really wrong and it's just me. And um, anyway, he walked in in the middle of our conversation and said, I'm going to run to Walgreens real quick. I'll be right back. And I had, you know, that moment where you're just like, your heart is pounding on your chest and you're like, you have to stop this moment. It was one of those. And I, I held the phone away. I'm like, please don't go. Like I was begging almost in tears. Like, just please stay right here and let's talk about, I don't even care what we talk about. Let's just talk. And he said, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go. And he slammed the garage door and the baby woke up. And all I remember that night is just this screaming baby. And I, I think the baby now knowing the baby, who the baby is now, like he's a very in tune person. I think he felt what I felt. He was just almost yeah. seven weeks old, but he screamed and screamed and screamed 
for hours, him and I just kind of like had our panic together. And as I'm bouncing him, I would like go to grab my phone to call someone. I'm like, I can't have another person tell me I'm crazy today. Right. I'm just, I'm done. I, I give up. I, I wash my hands. I don't even know, like if there's something I'm supposed to do, I've been searching for it for so long and I'm, I don't know what to do. So I just bounce this baby and about 10 o'clock, I remember calling him a few times and the tech detectives told me I even like text him a few times, like, where are you? Are you okay? And no response. And then about midnight, I fell asleep after the baby finally fell asleep. And I, I woke up to like this pounding on my door. And honestly, like my heart was almost excited. He got in a wreck. He's going to need me. He's going to be in a hospital bed. Like I had all these slow motion thoughts as I walked to my door and I mean, I would never would have expected what I found when I opened that door. It was just like three people in street clothes. One had a badge thing. It was like, you need to let us in. And I just remember thinking like, no, 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 no. If I, I think I kept saying like, just take me to him. Just, I, I know we can figure this out. I don't even know what I said, but anyways, I ended up sitting on my couch with these three people. One of them was super pregnant. Um, and they told me the story that no wife ever wants to hear. And it started out with, do you know, Candy Hall? Do you know this woman? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She works for us. And then it was like, well, Mm. turns out your husband and her were having an affair for a long time. And her husband found them at Walgreens and your husband was shot once in the forehead, once in the heart. And he died in her arms like that. It was just like, let's just peel off the bandaid. This is your life now. And honestly, more than, more than the story itself, just like the beliefs that I took on about myself in that moment. And like, I'm not even enough to stay home to go run a few errands for, but you just died fighting for someone else's wife in a parking lot while I'm taking care of your baby. Like it was just one of those, you just can't prepare and no one ever should have to prepare for that. No. Wow. Wow. That is yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, like you said, like just peeling the bandaid off, like one thing after another. I'm sure the first was a blow, and then another blow, and then you know, yeah. and not even knowing how to. Yeah, and it's interesting your intuition. You know, like yeah, that whole day. It's hard because there's intuition and then there's anxiety, and sometimes I think it's hard to know which is which at times. But yeah, I mean, obviously you were. Yeah, and like you said, mm-hmm. feeling like okay, maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. reading into this because you were feeling this. You know, and then. Of I mean, on top of having a newborn, tired, you know, just exhausted, yeah. not having the support, feeling those, you know, all those things at once. I'm, yeah. I just can't imagine. Which especially when he's turning around on you and gaslighting you, you know, of course totally. you're going to be confused, but you probably didn't even realize that's what was happening, you know, as it Absolutely was Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think most people do as it's happening because you yeah. get conditioned to just like take it on for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even though you said like you were trying to be like, okay, if I have his favorite meal, and I make everything good, then we can have this conversation. And yeah, I can fix this. We can fix whatever's happening. Yeah, which makes me feel a lot of admiration for you because I feel like you're a fighter, obviously. Like you were trying mm-hmm. to fight for your marriage. You were trying to get him, you know, how confusing. I mean, he's a lawyer. Like like you said, he's talking to people and people are, of course, are going to believe him. I'm sure he's a sharp guy. Like, oh, it's just a lot to unpack for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that night, you know, just a lot. So after they told you that, I mean, so were those police officers that were at your door? Yeah. They were okay. like private investigators, detective okay. and, uh, like the victim witness coordinator okay. who actually ended up being in court with me years later. Like she was just uh-huh. kind of present through a lot of stuff. Wow. 
yeah, yeah. I can't even think like what, what next? Like in that moment, I mean, you've got these yeah. little kids that would not even understand, right? Your oldest, your twins are what? Six. Or they were almost the six. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's just yeah. so little. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what did you, what were your next steps? I mean, we can go from here if you want to skip forward a bit, like wherever you want to take us in the story. Well, the next steps of any, which everyone's been through traumatic or really hard things is kind of just a fight to keep yourself alive. And yeah. for me, it was keeping five other kids alive. And I just kind of felt safer in the fog and in the anger. Like when I would have the days where I missed him or I, I like tried to connect to what I had, it was almost unbearable. So for me, the grieving cycle was mainly anger for the first like good year. I'm like, get his crap out of here. I don't want to see it. Yeah. It was, so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of time spent with detectives and like giving his phone and car and all the, like they already had his car in evidence, but turning over his computers and just like, it was like a constant reminder of this event all the time, just meeting to hear what's going on with court. And then we had a murder trial coming up. So the first little while was mainly just like living in fight or flight and just in the fog. Yeah. I was thinking that like, just because he had an affair and just, it doesn't mean you didn't love him. So you have that issue and then the betrayal issue and then the, so that's anger. And then the sadness that he's gone, the grief. Right. And so those like emotions, they aren't just one or the other. It's just, and you had this and this and this and this. And it was probably so frustrating because it was like such an abrupt ending. You know, it's, there's be there's trauma and betrayal, but if he would have still been there, you maybe, you you know, you probably had all these ifs like, well, maybe we could have fixed it or maybe, you know, so just having that abrupt end, I feel like would probably be really hard too. Cause you're questioned out the same exact day, the affair and yeah, it all came crashing down at the same time. Yeah. And always that, like, you never know tomorrow could have been the day where he was like, I can't do this. I love my family. Like there were so many unknowns that just got like taken away. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure in situations like that, I mean, at least I've done this where you're like, well, what if I would have done this? Or what if I would have said this earlier? Mm. What if, if I would have, yeah, like you said, you were kind of trying to find something wrong. Look in the trash, look at his email, like whatever. And you weren't able to, but you're like, well, what if I would have like, yeah. And that's so hard too, because that's not on you. It's none of this is on you. So that's so hard. The guy that ended up shooting him, he had a letter to me on his front seat so like another day and he could have gotten me involved and then I would have been oh, like, yeah, there's yeah. so many, what ifs. Wow. Oh, and what if he never turned around? What if he ran away with her and tried to take my kids? Like there's right. the, the possibilities on both sides are just. Yeah. You can crazy. make yourself go crazy thinking of those when in reality, there's none, neither of those sides of things are going to happen because it is what it is. But yeah, exactly. that's so hard not to let your mind go there to make sense of it because it makes zero, it doesn't make any sense. So you're like trying to make sense, but it's oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just, and I'm sure this was part of the trial and everything, but do you know if, if the man who ended up murdering him, like, was that his preconceived idea when he took the gun and everything, or was it more that he just had the gun with him and, and things got out of hand? Like, you know, so I can tell you what, um, what was in court. And I can tell you my version of what I saw in court. The jury never found it as premeditated, but some of the evidence that he um, like drove to his parents' house to get a specific gun that was a gift from his wife and the only gun he had that had laser pointers and it uh-huh. hit him in the forehead and the heart. Like mm. 
most juries probably would have found that it was premeditated just from that. But then he also like, he pulls up in the Walgreens and you see the video surveillance, you see him get out of his car, you see him like kind of almost like stomping around inside with his hands in his hoodie pocket. And then you see him get back in his car cause they're not in there. And then he pulls out of the view of the camera and waits for like eight minutes. And then when they pull up everything, like as soon as no cars are around, that's when he shoots. So Mm. honestly, like, I think it's pretty clear for me as I sat in there every single day and I, I didn't think I'd ever go, but I decided to go and I'm really glad I did. I, I believe that he, he was angry. I mean, he found out about the affair. He found out about so many things that day, which, yeah. Anyways, right. but the jury, the jury did not find it as premeditated. Um, and the only witness was the other woman. So, um, that was really hard to, to use as evidence as well. So, right. Interesting. And you were saying that he wrote you a letter, this husband? Yes. I didn't see it until court because he never Mm. sent it, but he had written my name and told me that he knew about the affair and he wanted to clue me in about it. So, but it is almost like, yeah, like at what point was he going to give that to you? Or did he last minute be like, you know what? I don't, I can't handle this anymore. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. So, and did he, I, I'm like asking, like, I don't mean to be like investigating, like whatever, but so did he leave after, like, did he flee after the shit or did he no, stay? He took the gun and like graze wounded himself. Oh. So he went straight to the hospital and it went straight to the hospital okay. and it was dead before they got there. And okay. he went to jail after they patched him up. Right. Okay. Maybe I do. Cause it's so interesting. Like I actually saw the dateline years ago. I mean, how many years ago did it? come out it was uh like two years three years later so and the interesting yeah. thing it's been is a while. i don't know yeah. if i've ever watched one dateline all the way through maybe other than like the daybell one we could just because local but for some reason it was on and it caught my interest and i think part of it was you like you were anyway and it's then we got somehow got connected with you online and i was like wait a second I, this is the, cause I, I yeah, what, I don't usually watch those type of shows. Cause I just, yeah. you know, I, it kind of makes me a little scared, <laughs> but, but that totally. one stuck out to me and I've always just remembered it and like empathize with you so much. So anyway, that was a side note, but, um, and we'll get more to Dateline as we go through this. Cause that seems like that was actually a pretty pivotal part of your story. So, um, but what, so did the, did the trial happen before you like were interviewed with Dateline and that, or was that all? A- I mean, I guess that's after, cause they have all the investigative work in there, right? Yeah. Okay. They can't interview anybody until the trial's over. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm sure that took when they first asked time. me, I was like, I would never do that. I'm like, I was the one who was calling news stations. I'm like, get our picture off. I'm not doing yeah. this. So my natural was like, hi, let's shove it down. Let's march forward. And then as I, felt impressed to share our story. I honestly, like, I thought it was, I was being punked. I'm like, that's not what we do. We're not. So even just committing to Dateline took a lot of prayer and it was a very interesting, unique journey to feel guided, to feel guided to like go on and basically pour my heart out in front of strangers and cry on TV. But yeah, yeah, it was Right. But I can see how, yeah, you th- I can see both sides for sure. Like just put this behind us, get our pictures off, like never talk about it again. Like let's move on or have a space to tell your story, your side, because this was about you, but not about you. So that's, what's so hard. Yeah. Like, like you- it was your life, your kids, your family, but yet this whole thing was like nothing you could have 
controlled, nothing you had a part of, nothing, but not being able to tell. So I can see, you know, talking to him could have been a very healing on Dateline process, like being able to tell your thoughts and feelings. Cause I'm sure like I've read some of your stuff, like feeling like the shame, like almost like, could I have prevented this? Like, oh, could I, should I have been a better wife? Should I have paid more attention to him? Like, was it my fault? He had enough, you know, like, which is not, totally. but I can see where your mind would go there just as for anybody mm-hmm. that's probably, um, experienced infidelity. Yeah. Which but, you probably find a lot now that you work with all of them, which is so awesome that you can like relate to people. And anyway, it's so interesting. So maybe you can kind of tell us what happened in that space between, you know, you're going through the process of trying to heal, you said in some of your writing that I read that like, you know, you're fighting to find your voice and heal. You're trying to help others, but it was just like, I mean, obviously probably such a hard time. And then to where you came to want to share your story. Yeah. I don't even know where to start, but, um, in a very broken moment, I married again (laughs) and -hmm. through all of this, I was trying to navigate that. And it's funny, like the night, it's not funny at all. Like nothing of this story is funny. But it's interesting. The night Emmett died, I basically went in my closet and literally was like, Heavenly Father, I just want to do over. You rewind this day. I've seen it on the movies. We start over. I get a, I get a alternative ending or whatever you do. Mm-hmm. I, I know you have that power. And it was like this moment of, I knew I wanted a do over and I wanted to be able to have the chance to make a choice. Anyways, fast forward, I get remarried. I go through this murder trial and for years I had my do over. Like I married a similar person. When you, when you don't build yourself before you get into a relationship, you just kind of like start where you were. And I I got a do over. And, and then this time in the transition, I knew like, as I prayed and begged and like, I know I can save this person. Like this was supposed to be the do over where we, we struggle and then we fix it. And Heavenly Father's like, no, you leave. You're worth more than this. And I, I, had to choose the hard choice of divorce. So it's kind of just been like so many transitions if we're talking about transitions. Oh yeah. I didn't know about that part of your story actually. Like, yeah, I can, I can see the need to like, Oh yeah. Like hurry up and feel that void. You know, I've had, you know, friends that have lost my friend that lost a baby. Like her first intuition was like, I want to have another one. I have so much love. I have nowhere to put it. I need to have another baby to put it there. So I can see like, I have this emptiness. I want to do over. I want to fix it. Let's, you know, totally. I can totally understand yeah. that. And finding a similar, a person that maybe had some of the similar patterns that you were noticing. I mean, like, but I can fix this one. Yeah. Like, right. Wow. That's let me, let me show yeah. you how strong I am that I will fix this. Yeah. Cause I didn't get a chance to fix it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to just watch ourselves heal in unique ways. And the kind of do over I wanted was not that at all, but right. watching, like going through all of that and realizing like there's different kinds of brave. Sometimes the answer is be brave enough to stick through and and fight for this marriage. And then there's the other kind of brave that it's like, it's time to go and it's time to fight for you. And throughout that mm-hmm. marriage, I like, that's when I started my blog and started a lot of healing work and started counseling. And I felt like the more I elevated myself, the less he really wanted me because, you know, like, like I said, when we're when we feel insignificant and we find someone who feels insignificant and there may be like a narcissist or a really over empowering person. And then you just get smaller and smaller. Like as I built myself, it just became, our journeys became so different mm-hmm. anyways. So, um, that was a, one part of my healing, but, but really mm-hmm. the, the blog and talking with Keith and things just being okay, saying the story out loud, 
um, was probably the biggest thing that, that sprung me forward to go, I'm, I'm okay. Like I, I went through this crazy crappy thing, but I'm still me and I don't have to be broken. I don't have to show up broken and I don't have to believe that I'm broken. And yeah, so for me, it was just like really owning my story but also saying it out loud. Like I wanted to shut it down and never hear it ever, ever, ever. I didn't want my kids to hear it. I wanted, I honestly wanted to lie to my kids the first night that it happened. I was like, I'll just tell them they got a wreck. And then I was like, but really lies are what got us here. So for me, the first step for me for being able to show up as a true authentic version of myself for my kids was to just like believe that I'm still me and this story didn't break us. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah see where you just want to be like, okay, you just died in an accident. We never have to talk about the details of this, you know, because that's really hard for your kids. And I'm sure as they've gotten older, it's been even harder when they understand what these things mean. Like, they don't know what infidelity means. They don't know, you know, you almost picture like never knowing somebody that's been murdered, let alone your own father. So I'm sure it, like, yeah, let's just say this and then never talk about it again, you know? Yeah. But I think that's actually really cool that you just decided to phase it head on. Cause I feel like yeah, it would be easy to be like, well, I'm going to tell them this, this story now. And then later I'll tell them something else, but then they might feel like they were lied to all those years. I don't know. I just feel like that's complicated. It's going to be complicated either way, but maybe just like you said, the truth, usually I, I shouldn't say usually the truth is always the best, <laughs> the best way, yeah, right? right? Somehow there's well, the way forward. And yeah. the truth is always usually the hardest because Mm. especially if there's people you want to protect in the truth but i've i worked with too many women now who decided not to do the truth and i see why it was so important for me to because their kids are stuck in this place where nothing's settled because their spirit's going hey something's still not right this is the version you heard and that's that's where the truth is freeing it lets your body and your spirit just like come together and calm down and go I know what I need to know and now I can move forward. But if you're always holding on to something that you know isn't quite right, like I was in that night before he died, you're just in a state of cognitive dissonance all the time and your mm-hmm. brain never just settles down. Yeah. Yeah. When I was just thinking how interesting it is that people on the other side of kind of like this abusive relationship, basically, I don't know what else you would call it, you know, but bringing this, the truth out. Yes. It's hard for the kids to hear, but if you're hiding it, it's hard for you and it's hard for the kids too. So it just feels like, yes, again, the truth is going to be hard, but why, why do women and me, whoever takes that story onto themselves, you know, I guess it's a survival thing probably, but it's, we shouldn't yeah. have to feel that, I guess, to, to, yeah. fix, to fix that and to cover it up and, right. and try this to tie it up with the boat. Yeah. Like yeah, you want to protect your children yes. no matter what. Yeah. I mean, and it's just... more of the same cycle. Like that's kind of what I did for so long. Like when he didn't want to go to Christmas, we would pretend we were sick and I had to cover for him, you know, like it just, yeah. it's more of the same pattern that has to be broken if we truly want to heal. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Like you said, the lies is what got lies are what got everybody in that situation. And so if you can just be, yeah. Yeah. Tell the truth and yeah. Yeah. So was, I mean, as far as the kids go, like, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if you want to share anything with that about, you know, sharing with them or what, what that was like, just, I'm sure as they got older, like Chantel was saying, you know, they could understand more and everything, but. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It was like every stage that would, they'd get a little older, they'd want a little more information. And so I always just kind of like gauged on their age and what was appropriate and just tried to give them what I felt like would help them in that moment and not just overwhelm them. 
Um, but through my second marriage, he really didn't like to see his pictures. He didn't want us to talk about him much. So it was kind of like our grief was a little stagnant and our healing was really stagnant. And then we got into the, like, once I left and eventually remarried again, we were in this safe place where like my husband now comes to every single thing that is with Emmett's mom and like really is engaged and talks about him and asks the kids questions and what they remember. And it was it's funny because you think like now you're in a safe spot, it's going to be easy, but that's when all the, the shove down really deep emotions and the grief come out. Mm. And so for us, it was like our healing began when we felt safe and it was years later and the, the twisted beliefs that have been shoved down and fears came out as like, my daughter had a really bad eating disorder and my son struggled with really bad anxiety and it came up so strong that it came out in these coping mechanisms that that almost were overwhelming and if I didn't have the background I do and studied this stuff so much I would have just seen it as like horrible teenagers that I I just give up on you know but it was more like okay our fight has begun and we are not gonna stop now and we're not gonna just take on we just have an eating disorder and this is how our life's gonna be it's like no we're gonna get through what's causing us to believe we're not worth anything and and really fight through the trauma and it was it was a powerful few years of just like a constant fight to get out everything that had been just shoved down. Right. Yeah. Wow. You. I mean, really, you're super impressive. I mean, I just feel like yeah. you. I mean, I know you're on the other side of so much of this, but you even the steps that you've taken to like be strong, be strong for your kids, find ways to heal, realize that some of these things come out later you know, and not, and always be there for your kids. I just, it's really admirable. Yeah. And I love how you just explained that. It's so wise. Like these are, um, symptoms of a situation that they were in. I mean, some kids might be more prone to like anxiety and things like that, but I'm sure the things that they've been through, you know, and coming manifesting in those ways. So, um, so I wondered when you remarried your husband now and you felt that safety, I loved how you explained that too, that once you felt the safety, then you could really start to heal. Um, but was that, how did that line up in time to when you started sharing publicly? Cause it was actually your list of the everywhere that you've shared is like super impressive. I mean, we've heard of all, you know, Dateline starting with like, what was it about that interview with Keith that like felt so healing? You know, it was it that you first, was it able to voice your story or, or was it the timing in your, in your journey? You know, I was just kind of curious yeah. about that. Yeah. So sitting across from Keith, it was like. The trial was over and they even had us do like our, our impact statements in front of Rob. So that was kind of the first time when I spoke in front of Rob and just told him like how this impacted me. It was like a little piece of my pain was just like out. And I'm like, oh man, it was like overwhelming and vulnerable and scary, but it, I had waited for so long to be able to just say those words in front of him. And then when Dateline started asking me, I'm like, no, 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 we're done. Like, we're finally done. We're going to close the, the book and we're going to move on. And I literally said hell no to him and hung up. Like, I was not having like it. Not oh, wow. And not ever, never, ever. And then um, it just, like, kept eating at me. And, and, it, and it was like this. It wasn't even, like, I want to be on TV. Like, that is the last thing I've ever wanted. I'm more of, like, a behind-the-stage kind of girl. Like, I'll teach my sisters the dances and all that, and they go perform. <laughs> but um, it was it was just this, like, I could feel it calling me. And I, I almost, like, knew that it was going to be really healing. And I remember sitting across from him. And it was, like, a three-hour. Like, you only see a few blips of it. 
it was for three hours for the first time I said the whole story, my version, my heart just out um, for the first time. And he just cried with me. Like he literally mm. the whole time tears are. And it, when we take breaks, I'd look over and the cameraman's crying. Like it was oh, one gosh. of those wow. moments where I felt seen and yeah. actually really cared for. And it wasn't like, I mean, I know they made money off the show and I don't care. It was, it was, it was like they were there present with me and they just let me be in my pain in a way that I hadn't felt comfortable doing with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really awesome. Like, I mean, a good turning point for you. I mean, and I can see like how many years from the, from 2011, when did the trial end? I'm sure that was a couple years. So it was almost two years. And then Dateline was like the next May. Let's see. And then it was probably like, um, maybe another six months when I started my blog. So again, I'm like, okay, Dateline's done. We're done. We never have to do this. And then I just kept getting this feeling. And I started my blog with the hope just to get it all out again, like just keep healing and and even stuff I didn't say on Dateline, I'm like, I'm just going to write it. And one day when my kids are like, what happened to me? I can be like, here you go. And I printed every every blog post off. This is right. what happened it's to us. It's kind of serving two purposes, right? I mean, yeah, healing well, several purposes. And yeah. yeah. And your mm-hmm. kids can refer back to it and have your words. I think that's awesome. I'm just going to go back really quick. To, so the post that you have with him, um, Keith Morrison from Dateline, I just loved that you kind of, I mean, if people want to go and refer to it at some point, you kind of um, talk about just kind of in summary what happened. But then, um, you said this picture was the day I said it all out loud for the first time for three hours. Keith cried with me and let me share the deepest parts of my heart, the heaviest sorrows of my soul and a story I never chose or would wish upon my worst enemy. This day was the beginning of what I didn't know my life would become. The first time I saw the glimmer of light that this mess I was living could be a message. You never know where life will take you. You never know when in the heat of the fire, there can be peace again. If I could go back to the young mom in this picture and tell her one thing, it would be, you are not broken. Nobody has the power to break your spirit. This moment isn't the end. So get it out, face the demons that hold you captive and set them free. Your words can be the light for someone like you stuck in the dark. Don't hide, just shine. And I would say it to her again today. We are stronger than we know and more significant than any words can ever tell us. No matter what our story has been, we are worthy of the great chapters yet to come. Please don't give up. You have never gone too far or been too broken get up dust yourself off and stand tall I just thought it was so beautiful yeah Thank yeah you're you. a gifted writer as well like yeah you just have a way I think of putting everything in obviously it's touched us a lot and thanks for Thank sharing it yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah so um so like you were saying that you started your blog around that time you had mentioned so had you married your um current, current husband? husband at that point no, I was still married to my second husband when I started oh. my blog and when I did the Keith Morrison interview. Oh, wow. But like you said, yeah. you were healing and kind of rising up and he was staying stagnant and he that probably like scared him because you were ready to start being this healed person and this version of yourself. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. But that's so cool that you did that. Like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to like judge him, but probably a lot on your own. Cause it sounds like you were, you know, putting yourself out there probably with, without a whole lot of support. So yeah, he wasn't a big fan of it. And yet I knew it's what I was supposed to do. So I just kept going. And honestly, like I started my blog and I'm like, okay, this is for me and my kids. And then my mom and my sister will pity read it. You know, it'll be good. And, um, 
within like a week, a million people had read it. And it was oh, one of wow. those like, wow. shut it down. We're not doing this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> right. You're like, hang um, on. <laughs> that's not yeah. the intention. And that's then, probably that's intimidating. People, yeah. Oh Cause you're gosh. like, everyone's reading what I'm writing. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like someone had found your journal and published it. It's just yeah, like, right. no, I can't do this. But I was the one that published it and I didn't know it was going to, it was just one of those. So, um, but yeah, it just kept turning into more and more and people were sending me messages from all over the world. And I'm like, what is happening? And just, it, I, it was not anything I ever expected. Yeah. That's awesome. So you were recounting the story were you talking about like some of the things that you've learned along the way as well? Or were you to that point yet? Yeah, it was kind of, I, I used to do these, um, like these journalings, I would journal to God and then I would like just clear my mind and like write whatever came to mind as if he was writing back to me. It was just like a tangible prayer. Oh, yeah. And so that's kind of what my blog is. Like I share the experience and then I just kind of would pour out whatever came to me on what I learned from it. But yeah, so even as I turned some of these stories into my books, that's kind of what it is. It's just like my my journal of my experiences and then the inspiration that I felt like Heavenly Father gave me through those experiences. Oh, nice. That's yeah, really cool. That's really amazing. Yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, what was it that resonated with people that millions of people wanted to read your stuff? But I think it's because, I mean, it's just like we talked about like ex- extraordinary transitions and ordinary lives. You just wanted an ordinary life. You just wanted your husband and your kids and your house. And you just wanted to like live this life. And then you had this crazy thing happen that no one, like you said, you wouldn't wish it upon your worst enemy. You would never want it to happen, but yet you've turned something into like extraordinary. Like you have been an extraordinary mom and an example to others and like how vulnerable that would be to sit and tell your story, knowing that mm-hmm. people were going to watch this and then read this. And I'm sure it's like changed so many people's lives just for your vulnerability and sharing your heart which could be, like you said, so hard and not quite what you like, wait, how many people are (laughs) reading this and watching this? (laughs) But I think it resonates with people like, like anything can happen to any of us any day. And I think as humans, luckily we don't spend our whole day thinking that like something bad's going to happen. Something's back, you know, like constantly, constantly, but we just don't have any control. So when it does happen, it's how we handle it and how we stand up and move on and face the storm. But I think it's just that you're, like example and light is probably what led people to wanting to follow this. Like, how could she get through it? Okay. She is like, this is amazing and inspiring. I was thinking that too. I think it's kind of like, it reminds me of Mason and Sam's story in a way. Like, do you know who Mason Sawyer is? He had his, um, like a really tragic car accident where, um, his wife, his wife two and kids, two kids, brother and nephew all died. All died. We interviewed oh him on gosh. our last season, our first season. And he has a podcast called the 1090 rule. And it's about, um, 10% what happens to yes. you and 90% how you react how to you it. How you react to it. Because that's the only thing you have control over is how you react to the yeah. things that happen to you. But I think with his story, I mean, you hear that and, and it's like, it's one of those where you look at him and you're like, wow, if he can get through something like this, then I feel like I can get through my, and I think that's probably what a lot of people found in your story. Like, cause a lot of women are dealing with the betrayal trauma or different things, but like you had, like we talked about at the beginning, like you had a lot wrapped up into this, you know, it wasn't just betrayal trauma. It was your, losing your husband. It was a murder. It was all these things. So I feel like you're this kind of like inspiration to so many people. Like they can look to you and be like, wow, if she can do it and look at her, she's sharing her feelings online and she's sharing what she's learned. And anyway, I think it's amazing that we have people like you guys <laughs> that we can look to for this because 
that's like, you know, often how people get through the hard things is like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? So totally. I think that's how I've always learned the best. Like, even when I hear people can tell me all day long how to do things, but when they share their vulnerable version of how they climbed out of the pit, I'm like, okay, I'm climbing out of the pit too. We can do this. Right. Yes, exactly. It gives people some hope and some direction. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, and again, like therapists and, and professionals totally have their their place too, to get us through things, but to have a person that's been through it, you know, like something. So anyway, super powerful. Um, and it would have been so easy, like you said, like to not share it to just, which I wouldn't fault that at all. Like if you want to just go on with your privacy. Yeah. He'll say the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I just feel called to share things. Mm -hmm. And I know these help so many people as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's really admirable. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So your blog starts taking off. You have millions of followers and viewers. What do you do from there? Like, are you like, okay, I'm going to embrace this. I mean, I know your initial reaction was like, yikes, I'm going to run away. What am I going to do? But as you know, your attitude is I'm going to take this on. So tell, maybe tell us what happened next. Um, so there were so many moments of like, okay, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. And then I would get another email from someone. And one that stands out the most, a guy told me I was about like, I was in the car with a gun waiting for my wife to come out of this building. I knew she was in there with another guy. And he's like, and your face just popped in my head. I had seen you on Dateline. And I put the gun back in my car and I walked in like a man and I used my words and I want you to know, like you changed the story. And it was moments like that, that I was like, okay, it all makes sense. Like if I, at first I was just like, I want to save one person from being a jackass and ruining their family (laughs) or killing somebody, you know? And then it just started to turn into this. I want to use this story to help people find their worth. Like if I didn't find my worth, I'm never going to make it through. I'm never going to keep my faith. I'm never going to trust another man. But if I can, if I can find my worth and I can help other people realize that they're not the gun that they took, they're not the the mistakes that they make. They're a human, a a daughter, son of God. They're an amazing being that has the potential to change and become a better version of themselves and not take on the broken things that they think are going to hold them back, but just keep moving forward. And so it just kept, it kept evolving. And as I got more emails, I started doing conferences, which I haven't done since COVID. It's been a lot. And I have a lot of kids and babies right now, but, um, so then I would do these events and then all these people would come and we just kind of gather as survivors and lift up each other with our stories and things like that. And yeah, it just became, it became something I'm like this beautiful mission that again, I would have never chosen, but I, I feel humbled every day, even still to be part of and, and know that it not only has changed me, but it's given others courage to change too. Yeah. yeah that's so awesome. Wow. It's so cool to think about. I mean, never would you have been able to have that vision for yourself, like sitting there in that room, having, you know, those investigators come to you that night to like where you took what you've been through. I mean, it's just so impressive. And anyway, yeah. yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us, cause I love the name of your Instagram, the moments we stand. Can you tell us yeah. how you came up with that? Yeah. So the weekend that I had felt like I'm supposed to write a blog, I was like, first of all, no, never doing that. And then I just kept getting like you, it was almost like clear as day in my head. These words, just like there's people there's, I have other children on this earth who need, or it was something very, I have it written down somewhere, but it was basically like, I just felt like heavenly father saying, 
I have all these other children on the earth that aren't listening and I need you to speak up for them. Like show them that there's a way out of this pit. And so I sat down to start my blog and it was like, you need to name your blog. And I'm like, ah, and I literally had no idea what the blog was even going to be. Like at first I thought it was going to be rantings of people I hate who had hurt my life. And, and I typed it out. Like it was nothing. The moments we stand, I'm like, wow. And I got chills all over. I'm like, the moments we stand, like I'm not standing. I'm this broken girl about to write a bunch of crap on a, on a blog. And, and it, it just kept like showing up of, I don't, I wasn't supposed to just write about the hate. Like the first time I wrote, I just wrote all the hate and my computer literally shut down. And as I started back up at that time, I was only writing it straight to the blog and it would like auto save every few seconds. Nothing saved, not one thing. It was like, let's, let's start over, try that again. Oh yeah. And, and it was kind of like, I don't know. It was, it was like, I had to get out the hate cause it's there. We can't not acknowledge the pain and the hate and the things that we sometimes shame our shame ourselves for feeling. So I got it out, but then it was like this, the moments we stand is going to be um, the pinnacle of the grace and the light and the little light at the end of the tunnel some days that carried you through. And I, luckily I'd kept some journals and just, it just kept coming out. And I realized it wasn't about, just being a victim and writing about the victimhood, but, but watching myself survive the story in the words. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. That's That's awesome. That's a great title. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you had a really, another post we loved on your Instagram. I think it was the one about meeting your current husband and we thought, Oh yeah. Yeah. We thought it might be fun or I think it was just your anniversary post recently. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Because I just thought that was just great that you have this person now that like, it's what you wanted and it's not it's someone so you're trying to fix. It's just something that like, and you called him a unicorn, which I thought was awesome because it was like, <laughs> I didn't think this person, this person existed or this existed. Um, you said, I have five kids. You hadn't, I had five kids. You had none. I had been married twice. You had never, I had a dog. You didn't want one. We lived in different States and in different worlds. I lived in chaos and messes and laughter you were used to order, always knowing where your stuff was, clean kitchen towels, unsticky peanut butter jars, and quiet. Five years ago, we made the choice to do this life together. This isn't much, there isn't much quiet and sometimes very little order, but I have never been so much, never seen so much love. Scott, you are a unicorn and your kindness and steadiness has been a breath of fresh air. You are not only brave for taking a chance on all of us. You are a warrior, warrior for doing it with so much grace. You haven't skipped a beat or ever made us feel like you had to sacrifice anything to be here. You are such a great example to me on jumping all in and giving your whole heart. Thank you for showing these boys how a woman deserves to be treated. Thank you for giving us Kennedy and Kyler and showing us every day as the father who believes in all seven of them and is always cheering for their success. You are my favorite, my steady, and my partner. This team is my everything. The best choice I ever made. And happy five years. Here is to many more forever. Thanks for waiting for us. Yeah. I just thought that was so awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so how did you, oh, sorry. We we're going to ask the same question. Yeah. yeah, you say. You say. <laughs> okay. Or, so one of my uh, my conference was called A Reason to Stand, the nonprofit that I would bring the people together. Um, at one of those, I did it randomly in Ogden. Like I'd never even really been to Ogden, but I just picked Ogden. And Alicia Penland, you'll she's on my blog sometimes and things, but. Um, I met her there and her son had been killed at a daycare like six months before. Hmm. And so we jokingly call ourselves murder friends. And we were like, I'm going to, she's like, I need you to get through this trial coming up. Like she had all the things still coming up and I was on the other side. So we just kind of stayed in contact and 
when I went through my divorce, she was coming down to visit me and she called me and she's like, so all day I've been like picturing you and this neighbor guy of mine. I'm like, man, I'm good on that. I'm so good. And she came down for the weekend and just kept talking about this neighbor guy. And it was just like one of those things that I, I literally was like, Alicia, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to be a really good mom because I'm really good at it. And then she got home a few days later, had her husband go over to Scott's house and tell him about me, which you think that would have scared him. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, a divorced widow with five kids and a dog. Um, and she, <laughs> she, or he texts me, I think that night or something. Anyways, so we text all week and he called me a few times that week. And it was just like, he, when he came to visit for the first time, it was like he was the missing link that we had never had before. Mm-hmm. And my kids were like bawling as he left after they mm-hmm. met him the first time. Like just, I don't know, he just fit. He just kind of mm-hmm. saved for us, I think. He literally just dated around for 20 years waiting for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, really That's cool. awesome, yeah. it's really awesome. I love hearing that. Like, I mean – not to say that like everyone has to find someone or whatever. Cause I know, you know, sometimes that doesn't end up happening, but I'm just really happy for you. Like I loved reading that post and I just feel like, yeah, it just sounds like he fits right in so well. And you guys were able to have, so you had two more children together, right? Your little ones. We did. Yeah. So we have a four year old so named Kennedy and a two year old named Kyler. Oh, that's awesome. two little girls. Yeah. 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 And I love that. Yeah. I seem to take on the role of, you know, being there for your other kids, but also you said earlier, giving them space to talk about their dad and not having it be this thing that, you know, yeah. they didn't want to talk about, or he didn't want to have be part of their lives because it is part of their life. So it's, cool which is so cool. Yeah. That he had, yeah. I feel like that takes probably maturity on his end, but like, of course that's, that's their dad. Like they're going to want to be able to talk about him and things come up and stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. The time when I realized I was for sure going to marry him, we had gone up for Emmett's, um, and it's grandma and family, like a bunch of them live in Bear Lake where he's buried. And we'd gone up for his grandma's birthday party or something. And we had gone over to the grave to, um, with Emmett's mom to Emmett's grave. And all the kids are around there and she's talking to him and Scott walked over and he's like, Radine, tell me about your son. Tell me what this means on his headstone. Tell me. And Aww. for like at 45 minutes, she sat there and he just let her love her son and didn't feel like it meant he wasn't good enough or we were, you know, he just like, mm-hmm. let it be the story that it is instead of trying to pretend that it never happened. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, and I love point asking, like, tell me, tell me, cause I'm sure it's hard. Sometimes it's like, you don't want your kids to only be hearing the negative side of their dad and that there's plenty of good, you know, and hearing those stories like from, from their grandma, I'm sure is really healing too. And I saw actually, this just came into my head and, but you had posted that your daughter that just got engaged, wasn't it your engagement ring that, or maybe I'm getting this wrong. Yeah. You can cut it out if I am, but I thought that was really beautiful. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So after Emmett died, I, I wore the ring for a while. I'm not sure. Like everybody does it different. But after I decided I wasn't going to wear it anymore, I put it in just this little box in my closet. And I've put lots of stuff in there, like when the kids give me jewelry for Mother's Day. So we get in there sometimes and I wear all the jewelry that they made when I when they were little every Mother's Day. Um, but every year, Boston would get in there and she would try it on. And it was just always like, I don't know. I never like put it all together that it would be hers. 
but I always knew how much she loved it. So when her fiance or her boyfriend was coming to ask for her hand that morning, I was getting ready and it just popped in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, I saved it for her. And so I gave it to him and then he proposed and she just went and got it polished and shined for this weekend. We're going to do engagement pictures. And it just, I don't know. It's like she gets to carry a little piece of her dad with her and I don't, it just is so beautiful. It, yeah, it I is. love that. She's my one daughter who it would mean the most to her. She's like that connecting type. Mm. And she's so excited about it. Oh, I just love that so much. I feel like that. It just is a beautiful like mm-hmm. summary of everything that you've been through too, like the healing journey and for them to still have for her and your other children still have, you know, parts of him with them and everything. That's just, and just commendable that you've created that family dynamic, you know? that with the healing and everything. So thank yeah, you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, maybe we should hop to you sharing a little bit more about like your courses and, and the, yeah, your books. Yeah. And... Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have during COVID when I couldn't do the, a reason to stand conferences, I started planning out and have executed a few of them, different courses online for people. Um, one is a widow course and it's just kind of like, finding your light through the pain and helping people get out those emotions so they have room for all the truth and goodness that is yet to come. And then I have another course for people who have gone through infidelity. And again, just I'm, I'm a foot zone practitioner now. Like I work on people's feet to try to help them connect their emotional, physical, spiritual bodies. Um, so a lot of the courses are geared towards that same goal of releasing the things that don't no longer serve us and getting rid of the pain and the fears and the, the reason we turn to our coping mechanisms so we can change how we are on the outside. Um, so those courses are mainly just to help people get aligned spiritually and physically to be able to move past the stuck beliefs that come with infidelity and becoming a widow. Um, um, and so I have on my website, I have those courses and then links to my books. I just released my third book. So the books are really just my, basically my journal, like I told you guys about through finding out, sitting on the couch with the detectives that night through the murder trial. So book three is all about the murder trial and Mm. excuse me, the murder trial and that experience of going there every day and just the healing through that. Wow. Yeah. And then you can find me on, so it's the moments we stand.com and then Instagram and Facebook. It's the moments we stand as well. Okay. Do you do coaching as well? Or the courses mainly? Yeah. So I mainly do the courses, but I do, I do foot zoning, which is, it's kind of a version of coaching. And I have a lot of clients that don't live by me that I do like a a virtual proxy foot zone. So it's really similar to coaching, but okay. Okay. That's awesome. So if people wanted to work with you individually, they could reach out like through your social media or, or email or something and kind of see how that would work with that. Yep. That'd be awesome. 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 Well, we'll put for anyone listening that, you know, we'll put links to Ashley's accounts and everything on the show notes and in the description on our social media. So you can easily link over to her and yeah, she's really great to follow. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming your books are like on Amazon. They want to buy your books. Yes, they are on Amazon too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I just recorded the third book audio. Oh, cool. I'm doing it backwards. I'm doing it backwards. (laughs) Oh, okay. And, um, so that will be on um, Audible here pretty soon too. Oh, oh good. Wow, I awesome. meant to ask you, I was thinking in my head, I wonder if it's on audio because 
I love audio. I know. <laughs> Might have to do I, that. Yeah. It's the only way to read a book, really. Yeah, well, when yeah, you're a mom, kids, yeah, yeah, I just fall asleep. Seriously. I want to read. I have intentions to, but I can't stay awake. So yeah, audio is great. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I want to read slash listen to those. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll put those all in the notes and stuff. Yes. But, um, is there anything else you want to share uh, before we wrap up with our wrap up question? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that just came to mind, um, I, I work with a lot of people and have experienced myself. And on Sunday I had to speak for an event and this question at the end of the event kind of made me reflect on a bunch of different people that have had the same question. And he raised his hand. He was this cute little, probably like 18 year old. And he said, do you ever just feel like you're drowning? Like you just can't get through. And I was like, buddy, Absolutely. I think that's why we're here on earth is to figure out how to keep getting out of that situation of feeling like we're drowning. And I gave him some examples, like a police officer that I had as a client, as a Fetzone client that had, had shared the same thing. And he was a detective and, um, undercover guy and looks like he had just gotten out of prison because they literally would like put him in the prisons to go and find out people's stories and then get him out of there. Anyway, he said the exact same thing. Like no matter how tough and how strong and how brave and all these things that we are, we're going to experience those dark times. And, and that's where we get to keep choosing. Like you said earlier, we keep choosing to either step outside of it and help somebody else or um, step outside of it and keep having our faith, or we just drown. Like those are our two options. And so I know I just wanted to help neutralize that, that, quiet fight that we all have that we think we're just alone and we're the only one who's overwhelmed and it's everybody every single one of us all the tough guys all the moms that look like they have it all together they go through that too and um and one thing I wanted to share really fast so after the trial was over and I was kind of stuck in that fog and that overwhelm I had an experience where I felt really impressed to offer this lady a hundred dollar bill at a grocery store it's a really long story but I'm gonna make it really short because we're out of time but, um, but it was one of those days that I'm like, I'm drowning. And I literally sat in my car before I went in the grocery store, like, please send someone to fix me. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to counseling. I'm doing all this stuff and nothing feels like it's healing. And so then I was impressed to give her this hundred dollar bill. And she was like, but how would you know? I have a hundred dollars or I have $13 in my bank account and all this food I need to feed my family. But how would you know that? And I just felt impressed to say, you know what? You have a heavenly father who loves you. And he wanted you to know that you're not alone today. And I got to be that side of, of the fight where I offered light to her. Um, and I walked away just bouncing and I felt lighter and I felt whole, but just those moments where we feel like we're alone. Sometimes the answer is finding someone else who is alone and helping them climb out of the pit first. And then it just like brings that light and that, that healing to you. Wow. Yeah. I I love that so much. Yeah. I think sometimes it's so easy to be like, what can I do for me to, to get through this? Yeah. Yeah, To get through this, but yeah, Yeah. working outward and helping someone else that can bring us so much healing. So, oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, You're welcome. Yeah. We live in this world of like, it's all about what feels right for you and, and self-help and make sure you're taking care of yourself. And that's so important. But if that's all we're doing, we're not going to feel less alone most of the time you know like if it's always the when I was the victim in that courtroom I didn't care who else was in the room like it was all about me but as I stepped out of that when I left the courtroom it it's so much more 
impactful and you're, you feel like you have more value when it's not just about you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly like what you've done with all of this, you know, you've shared your story and now you're connecting with all these people. And so like, you know, you take that little interaction at the store, which to her was like a huge thing, you know, but then you're taking it to such a broader level of sharing and helping all these people. So I think it's amazing. So, yeah. And you guys too, I think what you're doing Mm -hmm. is amazing. These transitions in our life are so big and sometimes they are what's so overwhelming, but giving, giving a voice to it all being normal and neutralizing the big impacts and saying there's, there's going to be another side of this transition. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's our big thing. We always say that too. Like, even if just one person listened to this and was helped by it, then okay, then we're so glad we did it, you know, because I think so many, even if it's not your exact trial, your exact situation, we can really relate and or learn from each other by sharing. And so we're so grateful you would share this story with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So much wisdom and just really beautiful story yeah, all, just all around. so much strength. Though. Yes. Yeah. A lot of strength. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so thank much. You. Um, so we always like to wrap up at the end of our interviews with the question, how you find beauty in life after going through your transition or the multiple transitions that you've been through. Like wh- how do you find meaning in beauty? I like to look for at least one good thing in my day. I used to think like grace and living an amazing life was going to be what grace was all about. Like I'm blessed with all these blessings and this perfect, easy road. Um, but I've just learned that that grace is like the light at the end of the tunnel on those dark days when you feel like you're drowning. And it's a beautiful moment with your teenager who hasn't talked to you for days. You know, it's just like these mm-hmm. little things that get us through to the next day and help us keep just showing up. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And there's always something. That's what's crazy. You can be having the hardest day, but there's always something that you can find to be. Yeah, it's my favorite question. I always ask my kids when I'm putting them to bed, like, what was your favorite part of the day? And it's so Mm. interesting. Like, I will have taken them to a movie and to the park and all these things. And it's like, I loved it when we got ice cream. Like, it's just this little moment Mm. for them that they remembered of their day. And I think if we thought more like them, we would be able Mm. to see it more clearly. Ooh, I really like yeah. that. I might have to steal that idea from you. I know. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of good advice too, like things that you've shared, you know, that, but that's a great one. I love that asking the kids that and just finding the little things. Cause really that's life's made up of a lot of little things and then it turns into life. So yeah, that's perfect. Yes. Things. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, like we said before, we'll yes. link to all the ways you can get in contact with Ashley and yeah, we're just so grateful you took the time with us and we think you're amazing and just yeah. grateful. Absolutely. It's good to talk to you in person, like reading all your stuff. I was mm-hmm. obviously super impressed, but you're just, yeah, yeah. such a light to so people fun. and yeah. an example. And yeah, we really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. Find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand Where to go, now it's time
to move along. Now it's time to move along. Take this journey as my own. Feel the strength right in my bones. All I want is to believe life is my own. Life. Start again, mind is free now. I can feel the truth in me. I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong. Yes, now it's time.